the cost is uh, $25 or whatever you want to donate, and all the proceeds are going to the Cheerful Giver Project, as some of the things that we've been distributing already. <clears throat> Um, the uh, focus of the month this month is for a number of, of uh, uh, missions that are been we haven't been have not been receiving the funds they need. I think there's a, about six of them. Um, they're all on the chart downstairs. So you just pick whatever is on your heart, and maybe at this time of year you can remember those who are, are less fortunate. <clears throat> And we're also, we were uh, collecting for the Cheerful Giver Fund because, as you saw, we were making some packages even for uh, local needs around here, and we're using the funds for that. We're looking forward to the Messiah program uh, this coming weekend. So it's going to be, this year it's going to be in Strasbourg, as usual, on Saturday at 7 p.m., but the Sunday morning we know we rotate among the different churches in this church, it's Richmond Hill's uh, turn. That's why we've heard a number of people um, saying they'll be in Richmond Hill next Sunday at 10 a.m. will be the, the Messiah program. I'll, I'll be there too as I'm inviting some work friends. <clears throat> this coming Wednesday is uh, our elections for CFG. And uh, we've already had our choir practice and children's program, which we thoroughly enjoyed. <clears throat> Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we are in awe of who you are. Lord, as we sing of Emmanuel, how God was pleased to dwell with men, to take up residence in a broken world with broken people and to pay the price to redeem us to yourself Lord we cannot appreciate enough and this afternoon we are broken people people who are not perfect who do not deserve your presence your infilling and but yet we plead for your glory come again be Emmanuel come into our midst and Speak to us through your spirit, in spite of our weakness, Father, and be glorified. Lord, you see the needs, not only those present, those who would be listening to your word. We pray that you'd be free to work. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I do appreciate your prayers as uh, I wasn't uh, sure I was going to be here this afternoon. <clears throat> um, well, let's continue to uh, study together from the first epistle of Corinthians. We had an excellent and appropriate meditation on 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, let's continue in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from where we left off. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 1 beginning to read from uh, verse 10. 
Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. They were having disagreements. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the house of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For God sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world, the debater? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. <clears throat> I think uh, I've heard many elders' meetings that have begun by quoting this first verse we read together. <clears throat> verse that... It pleads with everyone to speak the same thing, that there be no divisions, that we be joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. How can we be united? We're all different. God has made us different. We think differently. We come from different backgrounds. We have different upbringings, different life experience. But yet here... 
There's a challenge that in spite of all of our differences, we are to be think the same way. Not only behave the same way, in fact, maybe it's not so much about behavior. <clears throat> Paul is in Ephesus and he's getting a report from uh, the household of Chloe. They've come to, with concerns about their home church in Corinth across the water there. And uh, he's writing this letter as a, a second letter to address some of the, the, the things he's heard. And he sees that people are dividing. They're, they're, they're polarizing. Well, it's not just polarizing. Polarizing is kind of like when you go to two opposite extremes. But they're, they're following certain people. They're, they're identifying with different groups with dip, and based on kind of charismatic leaders. We see here that some were following Apollos, and some were following Paul, and some were following Peter, and some said we're following Christ. <clears throat> so Paul was the one who had originally come and, and started the church there. He had been the one to risk um, life and limb, literally, in order to bring them the gospel. Uh, but then there came Apollos. Now, Apollos was a very gifted, eloquent speaker. He really knew how he was trained in um, uh, the, the, the art of speaking, and, and the Greeks prized that. They were, they were, this was an educated, cosmopolitan group, kind of like we're in a big city. They were in a fairly well-to-do, sophisticated highly Greek cultured, and they, they liked this guy. He, he knew how to, to, um, to communicate in a way that was, had just the right words that, that made you, raised your imagination. And then there's some that had probably heard of Cephas now. Cephas, that's another word for Peter, right? He's the one who founded the church. You know, Jesus said, on this rock, um, and it was, uh, it was Peter who was the first one to, to open the path to the Gentiles, and he was the one that was highly respected. The inner circle Jesus had taught brought Peter, James, and John with him to all these special uh, places that none of the other apostles had been to, and so he had that, that kind of you know, inside track, if you will. And so you had this group of people saying, well, you know, I think he's the more spiritual one. Oh, but, but he was with Jesus. Oh, but have you heard Apollos speak? Like, you know, the other guys, they don't hold a candle to what he has to, you know, how he can, you know, really helps me, you know, understand God's word. Oh, but Paul, look at his dedication. Oh, but, you know, so you, you start to see people aligning themselves in groups based on you know, and, and it's kind of natural, you know, and, and it's, it's dangerous, you know, when we do that even, you know, within our church, you know, I, I would hate for there to be, say, I am of Doug and I am of Edmund and I am of Philip, you know, like, you know, when we start to, to think that, that we start to divide and say, well, he's my favorite. Oh, you know, he's preaching today. Oh, you know, that kind of stuff really is not biblical and is not, and in fact, He's going to really get into what the gospel is. It's not about an effective, well-communicated message that leaves you inspired as you walk out the door, okay? And he's saying the Greeks are looking for that. They're looking for wisdom, for somebody who can, can really uh, you know, appeal to the intellect, 
But that's not the gospel. The gospel isn't about something that will make you feel smarter than somebody else. You know, or it's not about this kind of like, um, you know, uh, secret cabal of knowledge where, you know, we know this, we have the, the, the ability to, to have, um, to make our will happen in the world by, by you know, using spiritual power to, sh- to, to show off. Now, the, we're going to get into that in Corinth. They had gifts and these gifts were impressive. They even had gifts like healing of being able to speak in languages they had never heard of before. They had impressive supernatural gifts that were there from the Spirit. And that was impressive to some who says, well, I want to see, I want to see God show up. I'm not, I don't care about what words you say. I want to see the actual power. But the power they measured was, again, this visible, you know, I've got a gift that can impress you. So some impressed with, with words and with, you know, intellectual things. Others impressed with, you know, manifestation of supernatural power. And, and Paul says, you're all missing the point. And, and you're, you're looking for things that entertain or that make you feel better or make you feel you're important. And, and Christ is not divided. The very fact you're picking one over another means you've, you've missed it, right? We have one Lord, Jesus Christ. And, and it's, it's something very basic that the preaching of the cross, which is offensive, it was offensive then, it's offensive now, it says you're a sinner, you need to turn around or you are going to be lost for eternity, and God understands where you're at, he's made a way, but you need to take it, or you're gonna continue you know, going down with the ship. If you don't take the lifeline, there's, there, there's, there's, there's a conviction to it. There's an exposure to what's really going on in your heart that nobody really wants to hear. But that's the cross. The cross where we see God's justice being poured out on Christ and what's mercy as Jesus' blood, you know, is being shed there in our place. We see God's love and mercy come flow mingled down on that cross. And it, it doesn't fit intellectual categories. We don't, we can't, can't even, you know, people have ever since been trying to precisely understand now exactly how does the atonement work is the governmental model and there's, you know, the, you know, the Calvinist model and, you know, there's all these different models of how exactly this works that Jesus' death on the cross saves you and we try to figure it out in our heads and it doesn't quite fit. No answer really, truly has it all contained because this is something God's designed and we need to accept in faith, not in Greek wisdom and kind of having it all labeled and feeling, oh, I've got, you know, the, the right understanding of this doctrine. You're missing the point. And we, we've got our own Greeks today, and they may not be Greek like uh, Alex. They're, they're more people who, who say, I've got I've to have the right big words, 
and I've got to follow the people that you know, seem to have it figured out and can communicate that very impressively, especially on the internet. And uh, they, they seem to really, you know, you know, blow away the competition. And again, the very fact we've got competition in mind means we're missing the point. Christ is not divided. And, you know, we've got that same intellectual pride that misses the spiritual point. Right? And, and when we get into these nitty-gritty doctrinal things where we divide, well, I am of, you know, maybe it's not this front bench because maybe people are following leaders that they find elsewhere that have better uh, credentials. But if you are, you're still missing the spiritual point, right? It's not about impressing people either with your... your, your um, what you've, what you've done or what you can say. So he says, look, how, what's God's perspective on this? When God comes and he sees a group of people that are all kind of like competing with each other over his kingdom, and they're showing off. And so that's what it, that's what it is. There's pride involved. And some people are thinking they're better than others. And some people, they're looking down on, oh, those people, they don't follow, you know, the things the way I do. They don't do it like I think it should be done. They're, they're not as spiritual. Or they don't believe like I have learned and I know things better. But all these things where we look down on our nose, on our fellow brothers and sisters, these are all Satan's tools to get us off the mark. Where is... Jesus, God said, it's a foolishness of preaching. I'm not, we're not going to try to adapt to the culture. We're not going to say, okay, we're going to change the culture to have women preachers, and we're going to change the culture to accept, you know, uh, you know different sexual norms, or we're going to change the culture to be woke or whatever so that we're not offending the current culture as they were offending the current culture, so we're with it. No, it's very simple. The preaching of the world is a stumbling block. It's foolishness. It's something that the world is going to not accept. But that's okay because this is not about trying to win a group and trying to campaign and say, I got more followers than you do. No, this is about following God. And God has a narrow road, a narrow gate, as we heard, as well as a narrow road. And we need to go through that and it doesn't accept any of our credentials, any of the things we take pride in. Usually, you know, there's like, you know, I might be better at, you know, one thing, you know, then I look down on someone else, right? And God disqualifies all those things. He says that there is, in the church, he's saying back then that there wasn't a lot of, you know, really cultural greats. It wasn't the wisest person wasn't there. The people who were uh, trained in, in, in the lawyers and the disputers of this world, the scribes, the knowledgeable ones, the people who were really respected didn't end up, not many of them, ended up in the church. Does that mean that the church was not you know, intellectual enough, was not credible enough, didn't have enough evidence of it? Or God saying, no, no, the thing is that through all these intellectual pursuits of trying to be smarter, people lost sight of God. We can read that in Romans 1, right? That 
everybody can see there's a God. You can just look at your own body. You look at the telescope or microscope. It's quite obvious, as, as he says in Romans 1, that we're without excuse because we can see God and the things that are made because that when they knew God, they didn't glorify him God, they weren't thankful. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, right? People use, and I've seen that, you know, perhaps, you know, my parents' generations were immigrants to this country. They, they didn't, my father, I think, had a grade eight education. He wasn't taken to uh, critical thinking and uh, being able to, you know, take the opposite point of view and be able to, you know, how, do all these mental gymnastics to be able to, uh, you know, understand and, and um, think outside the box. His generation were, this is the truth, and in integrity, in simplicity, we're going to follow it, right? Whereas my generation were, you know, well, you know, you've got people that can you know, try to sell, you know, an Eskimo ice cream or try, you know, you just got to be able to put yourself and, and you can communicate and you can say white is black and you can use your um, verbal gymnastics to be able to convince people of all kinds of things and excuse yourself from all kinds of things. And this isn't, I'm not saying this was invented in 1970 because clearly this type of intellectual stuff was from day one, which is why Romans 1 says, people, when they get smart enough, they think they can come up with excuses. They don't have to obey God. I don't have to deal with the fact that God asked me to repent. You know, I can say, oh, God's a moral monster. Look what he did in, in with, you know, genocide and, you know, the Malachites or God is this or God is, we, 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 I can excuse myself from having to follow God by trying to judge God or trying to use my mind to get me out of the fact that God made me. I have to answer to him. So we heard this morning, we were all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. It's a very simple truth. And, and when I think that I can come, I can use my big words to judge God, it doesn't matter how long the words are that I'm using or what kind of sophistication I have, I cannot get myself away from the fact that I am created by God and I have to answer to him for what I've done. And I'm a sinner and there's no way back is through Jesus Christ in that case, doesn't matter how many degrees I have, doesn't matter what you know, credentials I bring to bear, I'm no better than the next guy. Perhaps the simple slave who was rescued you know, um, and, and is saved, maybe they're still a slave. They've never gone to school here in, in, in Corinth, but yet they believed and they were saved. And so it was hard for the rich an intellectual guy to say, well, I'm brothers with the person who has, I've looked down at all my life. And we need to be the same here today that we dare not look down at anyone because God says no flesh can glory in the sight of God. And all the intellectual games you have are just getting in your way. They do not excuse us from our responsibility. In fact, God has chosen that the gospel is not intellectually complicated. 
He's chosen that his foolishness is wiser than men. His weakness is stronger than men. And that's why we all have to humble ourselves to become his children. It's, we preach Christ crucified, stumbling block to the Jews, foolishness to the Greeks, but unto them that are called, both Jews and Greeks, doesn't matter what your background are. If you, this afternoon, or you have been hearing God inviting you to come to the foot of the cross, respond to him. Don't think, I've got to get it figured out first. I've got to get my life together first. I've got to quit all my bad habits first. You've got to come just as I am, as we sang multiple times this afternoon, because in him is the power. He has the wisdom, not us, even those who think they're smart. He has the righteousness, not us, even those who th- of us who think we're good moral people. He has the sanctification to set us apart, to be pure, you know, not even those who have maybe set themselves apart from the world. It doesn't measure with God. And he has the redemption. He can take us no matter where we are. And we become a glory to God because of what he has done, not because of anything we've done. And this principle, no flesh should glory in his presence, is one that he's going to continue throughout the the chapters here because, unfortunately, the Corinthians were were proud because they were human. And they tended to try to find reasons to brag and to glory. And God's saying, no, there's only one thing we can be proud of. We can, be, we can build our, our self-worth on. And that's the fact that God loves us. In Christ alone, we can find our worth and our glory. He alone is glorious. May the Lord bless his word. Brother, please uh, choose a hymn. In number 252, all four verses.
Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the message you've given to us today. Lord, we pray that um, we would take these things to heart, that we would um, apply them in our lives. Lord, wherever there is um, pride in our own hearts, wherever we deem perhaps one brother or sister greater than the other, please forgive us, Father, as we know this is not your will. Um, help us never to think that we are, that we are, that we are anything, because we all know that we were bought with the price, that it was through the uh, precious blood of Jesus Christ that we are redeemed. There's, there's no action or work on our part that could ever redeem or justify us. Lord, in your word it says that um, all our righteousness is as filthy rags when brought before you. So Father, help us to, um, to build one another up, um, to, love what, to love each other as Christ loved the church. Help us to, to read your word, Lord, that we would know your will for our lives. Lord, help us just to study and to, to understand and to grow, that we, would, um, that we would know how to properly build one another up and, and to edify each other. So, Father, we just want to thank you again for the, for the message you've um, given to us through our brother. And, Father, we just want to, um, of course, keep in mind those who couldn't be here today, um, thinking of Sister Elizabeth, who's still recovering in the hospital. Father, we pray that you would be merciful to her, that her um, healing would, would go smoothly, and that we as a church would go and visit her to, to comfort her and strengthen her and to let her know that she is loved by each and every one of us. Father, please um, keep us in your care and that we may go home uh, not forgetting the words we've heard today. And we thank you for all you've given. In your son Jesus' name, amen. Only by pride cometh contention, Scripture says. If we find that there are factions, divisions, we certainly see lots in the world today. We've gone through the pandemic with lots of people holding different views and, 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 and looking down on those who hold other views as unworthy and a lot of vitriol. And we need to be careful in the church. If we're starting to compare, if we're starting to, to uh, divide up, that means we're, there's pride involved. We're, we're, we're coming up with the criteria of what makes a better Christian if they meet these check marks. Now the scripture has its own criteria. We know that when we appear before the judgment seat of Christ, there will be criteria by which some will be rewarded but the, the, the glory, the glory isn't even in, I did such and such, you know, I visited the sick or whatever. The people in Matthew 25 who did those things weren't even aware they were doing those things. When, when they were told, you, because you did this, you know, look, we don't even remember. It was not something they did for pride. So if there's division in our hearts, if we start to look down on anyone else, it's pride. And, and I know that I, I can look back on my uh, youthful, um, you know, idealisms, you know, where I thought I had criteria. Oh, these people are better. You know, I'm better because of this or that. And, and, and when I might look down on someone who, 
who may not have had some of the advantages I did, and, and yet time proved that they were actually more spiritual, more faithful than I was in all my sophistry, all the, all the things I had are, are paper thin. And so the scripture is telling us as a church, everybody matters. And the, the, the foot of the cross is even. And none of our natural advantages of, of, of whatever, you know, hu that humans would think makes somebody worth more than others, we're all the same at the cross. And we all need to honor and respect and value each other equally, without division. And the only way we're going to think the same things is if we think the thoughts of Christ as we, we seek, as we learn to think his thoughts. That's how we become one. With that, we would complete uh, this afternoon's service. Conclude.